0: As you have heard, uh, this is a a service of baptism this morning, but before we begin, I just want to say thank you to um, Chris for standing in for me last week and preaching. There were about 39 of us who went to Israel, about 20 or so, 19 or so from Hope, and then about another 21 or so who were a part of uh, family and friends who were able to go with us, but we had a wonderful trip, so Chris... Uh, preached and I heard wonderful things about the message that he brought. So thank you, Chris, for a practical and very helpful sermon. Uh, But today, as you have heard, uh, we want to spend our time considering baptism. Um, It is a little bit strange for why would we do this kind of thing where we get into a tub and baptize someone. And so it seems right to me that we explain what we're doing. Um, because the, the question is, well, why on earth would you guys do this? You have a, a whole service dedicated to baptizing people. Um, we don't usually take public baths, but here's, here's one today. And so why do we do this? Um, and I, I, I think, what is baptism? What does it mean? Uh, a way that I understand it and find it helpful is to, uh, to sort of describe it in four different ways. Baptism, A, is a command. Jesus commanded it. Uh, Two, it is a confession, a confession of sin, but also faith in Jesus. Three, baptism is a kind of commencement. It marks the beginning of a relationship with Jesus. And fourth, it signifies a connection with Jesus. All of those things we see in Scripture. So a command, a confession, a commencement, and representing a connection and so some of you, maybe you're here, maybe you have never been baptized, maybe you've never thought of it. Um, you might hear that today in a couple of testimonies. Sometimes we, we hear people who would say, I never even thought about baptism, it just wasn't on my mind. And so why would it suddenly come up? And um, the word baptism, in, as we find in scripture, means to dip in or under or to immerse. It's used in several different contexts outside of of the biblical Greek, so in extra-biblical Greek literature, uh, it's used of clothes. When you, you ever, anybody ever do a tie-dye t-shirt at camp? Do you know what you did to the t-shirt? You baptized it. You dipped it under the dye in order to color it. Um, and also, outside of, of biblical Greek, there is an instance where, where baptism is used of a sunken ship. The ship is baptized. It's immersed in water. So that's the meaning of the word, but when we get to Christianity, we, we see something different happen. Now, Jewish rituals of purification often involved getting into baptismal pools. We, we saw some of them as we were on the steps of Jerusalem just a few days ago. Um, more, to, more, more on that later. We, we look forward to being able to share with you. Uh, That, But when when we get to the Bible and we ask the question, why do you Christians baptize? The first answer is because Jesus commanded it. So I want you to see it. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Uh, We'll throw it up on the screen for you. You don't have to necessarily go to it. But I just want to read you the words of Jesus because this is the most fundamental reason why we do this. Jesus is uh, about to ascend into heaven. He's at the end of his stay on earth. And he says to his disciples... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I I never cease to be staggered by that command. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is making a claim to have all authority that exists anywhere in the world. Um, And he is incredibly clear This is mine to give. And so because of that authority, I then go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, there's the word, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and I am with you till the end of the age. So the short answer to why do we Christians baptize is because Jesus commanded it as a part of becoming a disciple of Jesus. So when you begin to be a follower of Jesus, we see in scripture, baptism marks that. And out of, out of obedience, I wouldn't do this if Jesus didn't command it. Right? Who, who among us would get in front of a bunch of people and talk about your faith and get baptized unless our Lord commanded it? So the first answer is baptism is a command of Jesus that those who begin to follow him and change the direction of their lives indicate that by baptism, So it is a command. Secondly, it's a confession. Baptism is a confession. The first time we see baptism in the, in the New Testament, in the Bible really, is with John the Baptist. Now most of us know John the Baptist, we've heard of him. But John comes and he does this weird thing. He baptizes people. Out in the River Jordan, we got to go there, by the way. We happened to stop in and get our toes wet in the River Jordan. Um, But here, John is baptizing. So let me show you where we see this in Scripture. At the beginning of Mark, chapter 1, we find this. John, speaking of John the Baptist, appeared, his ministry began, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of what? Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So that's the confession, People, the people who are baptized are those who are confessing their sins and repenting of them, meaning I want to turn away. It's a new direction. I'm dying to an old way of living and I'm, I'm rising to a new way of living. And everybody was doing this. All of uh, the country, Judea and Jerusalem, were going out to him and were baptized by him in the River Jordan confessing their sins. So baptism is a confession of sin. It is a, a, a realization of I am a sinner. I have failed to live up to the righteousness that God demands. And so I I want my sins washed away. I want my sins to be cleansed. I want the thing that keeps me away from God to be removed. So baptism is a sign of that. It's a confession of sin, but also a symbol of that cleansing and that washing. And then third, we see baptism is a commencement. What's commencement? It's the beginning, right? When you graduate from college and you commence your life into the real world, we call that celebration commencement. It's the beginning. When we see the disciples taking the command of Jesus and applying it, and we see that in the book of Acts. That's what the book of Acts is all about. It's the acts of the apostles who take Jesus' commands and then apply it to the church life what we find is 23 times baptism is mentioned in the book of Acts. About eight of those times are are directly focusing on John the Baptist and what he did. The rest of them, about 15 or so of those times, refer to people who begin to be disciples of Jesus. It's people who hear the gospel, they hear what Jesus has done, of who he is, and we just sang about it. right? I, I could not stand here today before you, if I wasn't convinced that Jesus actually died for sinners and then rose again, I couldn't stand here. I couldn't have this job. If I didn't believe that to the core of my being, Jesus actually bodily died and then he was in the tomb three days, which we got to see in Israel, one of those possible locations of that tomb, and then he rose again. Bodily, physically, and, and ministered to his disciples. I would, if I didn't believe that, I couldn't be here today. And, and I would be hopelessly entangled in my sins. And so here we are listening to the, the, the disciples tell what happened after Jesus ascended into heaven. And I'll just read you one example of what I'm talking about. This commencement of a relationship with Jesus. It comes from Acts chapter 16. Paul has been thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, talking about Jesus. He offended too many people. He was thrown in prison. And then in the night, he was in shackles in the middle of the prison, the very center of the prison. An earthquake happened, and it released those shackles. Miraculous, right? Earthquakes don't typically loosen chains on your hands and feet. And yet, when that happened, the jailer figured everybody has left He says, Everybody has gone out of the jail. The doors are open because of this earthquake. He's getting ready to commit suicide. And Paul says, Wait, wait, don't don't kill yourself. Nobody has escaped. Everybody's here. And, And then this jailer begins to ask Paul a question. And here's what he says Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Probably the most important question you'll ever ask. What must I do to be saved? This is the jailer asking Paul and Barnabas this question. Look at the answer, verse 31. Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household, meaning anybody else who believes too, you'll also be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in the house. That's shorthand for he then explained more fully who Jesus is. He spoke the word. He talked about what Jesus has done. Probably all those promises in the Old Testament. He mentioned them to explain that Jesus has risen from the dead. In verse 33, And this jailer was baptized at once. So after hearing who Jesus is, what he had done, believing that message, he was then baptized. So that's the beginning. That's the commencement. That's what happens when you confronted with the gospel. You hear the good news that Jesus died Because that's the punishment for sin. All sin requires death. From the very beginning of the pages of Scripture, we see that. One act of disobedience by Adam and Eve, and death was the result. So how do we overcome that? It is through Jesus, because he never sinned. He never sinned. He lived a perfectly obedient life. And so righteousness then comes from our trust and faith in him. And so this, Paul tells us this man, and he believes it. He explains it to his whole household. Everybody heard that, like, yes, I, I, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Baptism then marks that. They were then baptized. That's the sign of the beginning of a new relationship with Jesus. And then fourth, Baptism is a representation of a connection to Christ. It means you're vitally connected to Him. And where do we see that? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This again is Paul writing. For He says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, no matter where you come from, no matter what your circumstances of life, if we were all brought into one body, meaning united with Christ, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So here Paul is expounding to us the spiritual truths that are behind the visible reality. He's saying it is the work of the Holy Spirit who causes us to become aware of our condition and then cries out to the Lord to be saved. That's the Holy Spirit. And and Paul says it's like being immersed in the Spirit but then also indwelt by the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God who dwells in us. That... Is, is what salvation is. It is a vital living connection with the Holy Spirit. And so this, this connection is represented by baptism, which leads us to a critical connection, right? If, if commencement in the faith of, of a relationship with Jesus is so closely attached with baptism, as we see in the New Testament, the question is, does it effect that union? In other words, the way we commonly say it is, does baptism save you? Is it the act of baptism that effects salvation or has salvation happened, meaning the Holy Spirit has been at work, you've cried out to the Lord for salvation, that's happened, and then baptism is a reflection of that. Because we don't see that spiritual transaction, do you? We don't, we don't notice The moment when a person becomes a believer or, to another way of saying it, receives the Holy Spirit. Is baptism the means by which the Spirit of God is given? Or do we receive the Spirit of God and then to visibly display that to the world, we get baptized? That's a crucial question. Which happens The biblical answer, I think, unavoidably is baptism does not effect salvation. It's not the means by which we're united with Christ, but it reflects that union. And here's several reasons that I want to give you to think about this. Cornelius was a centurion who believed in God, but he'd never heard about Jesus. So he prayed a lot And one day while he was praying, he received a vision of an angel who said, I want you to send one of your messengers to get a guy called Peter. Peter's going to come and tell you a message. And I want you to listen to what Peter has to say. So Peter went along with this. This actually happened. Peter shows up at Cornelius' house. And then I want to read to you what happened. So Peter starts preaching. This is in Acts chapter 10. Peter starts preaching to this family of Cornelius who are gathered And he begins to explain what Jesus has done. And here's what he says. Verse 42, uh, he's talking about Jesus. The he here is Jesus. He commanded us to preach to people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Talking about Jesus. Peter's describing him. Now to him, to Jesus, all of the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his name. Did you see that? Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his name. So that's what Peter was saying to these people. Imagine you're there in the living room listening to this. And notice what happens. While, verse 44, while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on them, on all who heard. And the believers from among the circumcised, meaning the Jews who came with Peter on this trip, the Jews who were among the the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed... Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And Peter said, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Question. When did these folks receive the Holy Spirit? Was it before they were baptized or after? Well, Peter hadn't even finished the sermon yet. And something's changed within them. There's there's a change of their hearts. They begin praising God. They haven't been baptized. So baptism is not the means by which we receive the Holy Spirit. They believed. They believed the message and then they were baptized. Now, a second example is Peter himself. There's one verse in the Bible which many other denominations will point to to say, Todd, you're wrong. It is baptism that saves you. The very act of baptism. And and this is the verse that is often pointed to. So I want to read it to you and I want you to see is that accurate understanding of this passage. So two verses. Now it's a complicated illustration, but Peter is trying to figure out how can I talk about salvation? And so he says, "Ah, Noah. Noah got in the ark and he survived the judgment of God. And he's using that as an analogy. Okay, so follow with me. In the days of Noah, while the ark was being built, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water, the waters of judgment, the flood waters, baptism corresponds to this, now saves you. And that's where some would say, Todd, see, it's right there. Baptism now saves you. It's black and white. And Todd would say, Can we keep reading? Right? The, the baptism being brought through the water, baptism which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It, it's not the act of baptism. It's not the removal of the dirt from the body. What is it that saves you? It's an appeal to God for a clean conscience through the resurrection of Jesus That's faith. That is saying, Jesus, I know my mind is wretched. I am a sinner. There's much about me that is very wrong. Will you please cleanse me? Will you please wash me? That is what saves you. Since we don't see that spiritual reality, God commands us to do things which demonstrate it, which is baptism. It's a kind of cleansing, but it's not the act of cleansing that affects the receiving of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced there. Another example, which I already read to you, was the Philippian jailer. If we go back to that very jailer, the man who came to Paul and said, what must I do to be saved? This is Acts chapter 16. Again, those two verses. What must I do to be saved? What does, Peter, what does Paul say here? Does he say get baptized? What does he say? First words out of Paul's mouth. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Now, is the jailer baptized? Yes, within a couple of hours. But he's already believed. Right? So it's, it's belief in Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, meaning sin is paid for. Jesus is the one who atones for sin. Belief in that is what saves us. Then baptism is what pictures that. And and the last example I would point to is the dear thief who was crucified next to Jesus. If you remember the gospel story, as that morning unfolded of those crucifixions, there were two thieves who were crucified with Jesus. At the start of the day, they were both making fun of Jesus. They were both reviling him, criticizing Jesus as the morning wore on. But by the end of the day, one of those guys had become convinced Jesus was actually who he said he was. And the other guy is still making fun of Jesus and reviling Jesus. And the other thief said, can you, I'm going to summarize in my own words, okay? Can you please shut up? Because we're getting exactly what we deserve. He's not. He's innocent. He's done nothing wrong, is what that thief was convinced said. And then he turns to Jesus and he says, when you... Get home to your kingdom. Will you remember me? And Jesus said, you're going to be with me today. You will be with me in paradise. And he says, I'll see you in a little while. (laughs) He was not baptized. He was not baptized. He was nailed to a tree. What saved that man? It was faith in Jesus. He believed he was the king who would inherit the kingdom of heaven. So if you're here today, you're going to hear some testimonies of people who are putting their faith in Jesus. I I don't want you to misunderstand what we're doing. We're not saving anybody today. These folks have already been saved. They've already trusted in Jesus, and they want to picture that to the world by sharing with you what's happened within them. And so I'm going to invite um, these folks to come up and, and share their story Um, And we're going to start with Katie, Katie Pelletier, who will come. She is um, somewhere in this room, I hope. There she is, over here, hiding. Um, Come on up, Katie. So...